What's up, guys? Four Corners back with another episode. I am one of your hosts, Ray. I am potentially the number one Jamal Murray critic, it seems, based on conversations I've had. Um, but that's okay. Uh, you can find me online at Rayvon Hackshaw on X. I'm going to stick, you know, we're sticking to X. I guess that's what we're doing. I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you guys have migrated to spaces or Mastodon or some other place. I just don't have a better alternative so far. But um, my fellow host, as always, is Peter Bucketson's 88. How is uh, New Orleans treating you now that we are in the same time zone? Good. Uh, surviving summer. You know, I, I think you might have a little extra energy for Jamal Murray hate because you don't spend any of your energy hating the Utah Jazz like real Nuggets fans. But, you know, we've already I been really there. Don't. We don't have to go over that again. I really don't. There are so many teams that I don't hate. It, it's crazy. It, it really is. It, I, I care about them so little that they, they enter my mind so rarely. And I care so much about Jamal Murray. Um, is that fair? Is that fair? It's really not. But I just want you to know, I want everyone to know, it comes from a place of love. I want him to be the best version of himself and for the Nuggets to be the best versions of themselves. Um, and for all my friends to be the best versions of themselves as well. And that includes one of the uh, favorite people of mine in the world and favorite people of mine in Serbia, Miroslav Chuk. How are you doing? Hey, what's up? What's up, guys? I actually have some some updated takes on, on Jamal Murray. So you might not be the biggest hater of Jamal on this pod right now. Oh, no, no. I, I, I have I'm, some I stuff the title. to say that you will hate. <laughs> okay. okay. So I'm playing one on two today. Um, <laughs> right. We're playing. It's, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's that bad kind of 21 where you know two people just just sit in the paint and just just kind of play defense the whole time and you're, you're just trying to score but it's not going to go well for you it's all right i actually played some ball earlier today and my team won so i'm feeling confident i, I can take you guys on <laughs> honestly you probably could i have been on a uh, vacation um miroslav i was actually right? in the same time zone as you for a number of days except i was not i was not balling i was not exercising i was uh going out late at night and eating uh, sliced meat from rotating steaks and uh, drinking large copious amounts of beer. So I may not be in perfect shape, but we'll get there. We'll get there um, to start off. I mean, we should talk about the, I don't want to say it's the elephant in the room and not that James Harden elephant, uh, the elephant in the room in international basketball, which is, I think, an ongoing struggle in my mind and in my heart that we really just can't get an organized international tournament together. It's really, it's really a, a struggle. Um, and so I'm going to start off with this. We know we've lost a lot of players from Jokic to Jamal Murray to Giannis to so many guys. Um, I kind of want to talk about, you know, we, I think just like ideas. You know things that we're thinking about like how can we resolve this issue how do we get the best international play possible uh miroslav you being the resident european i kind of want to throw you the ball first i mean what are your thoughts on the whole situation and how do you feel like it can be resolved if it can be resolved at all yeah the biggest problem for the three of us right now is the fact that we are watching together the the world cup from a view of the NBA fan. And that's rough because it's the NBA players that are not playing. That's the thing. If you're a fan of EuroLeague, you know, you are happy with, with what you get to see on the World Cup. That's the difference. Like Serbia has won many medals from 95 to 2002 mostly because we've had very few NBA players back then. So everybody was able to play in, on most of the tournaments. I mean, Vlade Divac was the example, different example here, because he actually won like five medals while being an NBA player. But he's the only one. Peja Stojkovic won two, and that's, that's about it. Nikola still has only mm -hmm. one. So it's really difficult. This year, we have 
Vasa Micic, Vasily Micic coming to OKC, and lo and behold, he's not playing on the on the World Cup because he's preparing for his NBA season. So if we are watching with with the eyes of the NBA fan, I don't think anything is going to get better from our view, point, our point of view. But for all the other countries that don't have many NBA players, like, I don't know, Poland or uh, Finland or, or somebody like that, they, that have one or zero NBA players, they get to watch all of their guys. I mean, Laurie Markkinen mm-hmm. literally was in the military this year, right? Or was it last year? I don't remember. You know, because... You know, the pandemic has run together so firmly <laughs> yeah, you're for right. me. I've it, lost it might all have track been of like time. Three years ago, it's possible. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, when you have only one guy and he shows up, you have a wonderful tournament for yourself. So that's that's the thing. It's actually, it's impossible for the U- Team US to assemble its best possible team. I think what they've assembled this time around is probably the best they can do because they have 12 guys who are very team-oriented, very smart players. And I think I think they have a chance of, of meddling on this World Cup, unlike the team from the last World Cup that was uh, four years ago that 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 was a bad experiment because they had some older guys, some younger guys, but they wanted to concentrate too much on one-on-one play and that's not going to run in FIBA. Yeah, yeah. It really felt like they were trying to embrace the, uh, I don't want to say like the American style of basketball, but, you know, just feeling how how that influence is permeating even into like EuroLeague and and European basketball. It's... didn't work as well as I thought it would. <laughs> but uh, Peter, have you given any thought related to that international situation? Is there anything the NBA maybe could or should do in your mind? I mean, I have some thoughts, but um, as far as giving players the leg, the, the leeway to participate in international basketball? I mean, unfortunately, I really don't have any solutions, but I agree with a lot with Miroslav, what he said. And so I think I think if you're looking at it through an NBA fan's lens, you're probably going to be disappointed most of the time. So what I would urge people to do is to try to shift your your thinking, shift your view, because, you know, if I can make a, an imperfect analogy, I love college basketball. You know, I get a lot of people, it's not their thing. It's like, oh, it's a lower level to me. Oftentimes well, when I'm watching a game and I'm watching Duke versus North Carolina, and it's mostly freshmen, I'm thinking, man, if that guy that was really good last year would have came back for his sophomore year, like imagine how stacked this team would be. But then that that thought fades out, and I realize this is still a fun game that the players are playing hard. And so I think Miroslav's right. Like if you're a fan of EuroLeague and you just love basketball, you it's still going to be some great games. So the way I have to look at it is this happens in every sport, right? Injuries happen, and it just happens to be that in this case, guys aren't necessarily injured. They're just – I mean, some of them are, but if they're not playing, they're not playing. So you just have to deal with what you get. And, uh, you know, it's not just sports too, right? I mean, we've seen actors like fall out of movies and they still can make the movie okay. So, you know, I'm still optimistic that it'll be a fun tournament with with good games. Yeah, for instance, Serbia will be missing four out of their top five guys on the tournament. And Team Serbia is fun as hell. Like, they will play some really nice basketball. I don't know how far they can go because they don't have, you know, the pound-for-pound quality of the team to to be competing for gold medal, probably. But, man, there are some lineups I I really love to to, to see. For instance, Nikola Jovic will will surprise many people because, you know, he's a guy that didn't get a chance on a pretty mediocre Miami Heat team. And I'm saying that with full confidence because the regular season Miami Heat was a really mediocre team. It's just that the play is the playoff. It's the difference. Uh, why? But he, he, for instance, he was a starter on all the Serbia's prep games and he played really well for a guy who is only 20. So, so I'm, I'm really excited about some of the guys we're going to see. And uh, they... I mean, it's it's a cliche, but they really do play the right way, all of them. I mean, I really appreciate that. Um, I think there are a lot of NBA teams that I also wish would play the right way. 
uh, and it would be a lot better for it. But um, what I do you think, mean? I like you know, meeting those teams. Uh, me too. But <laughs> <laughs> here's what I would say. I, I think it would be most optimal. Keep playing like ISO ball so we can beat them. I um, it, it's complicated. Like I, 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 I feel where you're coming from with that, but at the same time, I also want my style to be popular, and I don't feel like it's popular enough right now. Um, but I also am comfortable with it, just in the sense that the Nuggets did just win the championship, and they adhere more to that, I think, than that isolation style. So, you know, there, there's a balance there. Um, but can FIBA and the NBA maybe even work something out financially where maybe if somebody, I don't know who, maybe if they bought FIBA and they had a lot more financial backing and they could pay the NBA to smooth over some of these bumps in terms of uh, maybe you lose some guys. I, I've, I've said this a lot of times in the past, actually. I would be okay with Nikola Jokic not playing in October or September, you know, in, in that early portion, if that meant that he had the opportunity to win a gold medal for his home country. And I think for a lot of international players, I think that's really important that that could elevate the game on an international level that I think also ultimately comes back to the NBA as well in how growing the sport worldwide is just good for the game. Um, I think that could be productive for everybody. And uh, everybody would be a lot happier. And we'd also get better basketball. Uh, not not to say that Jokic doesn't play well in August, that he doesn't play well in September. But I think I'd rather see, you know, that gold medal game than uh, the sort of ho-hum of, of regular season basketball, especially in an era where we continue to say every year the regular season doesn't matter. That's what people keep telling me. I don't know. That's just me. Just a side note, and we'll come back to your point. When you said mm -hmm. that some guys really want to play for the national teams, Jokic gets a lot of shit in Serbia because he's not like Luka. And Luka is one of one. He is a crazy person. Luka is a guy who is right now ripped as hell. And he's going to have a great FIBA tournament. And then he'll get pudgy and come back to, <laughs> to the NBA. <laughs> It's oh. just that the NBA is like, too easy for him. For him, it's too easy Luka to score in the NBA, so he doesn't need to be that lean, like for the FIBA basketball. Mm. Uh, but Luca, is, as I said, he's an in insane person, and uh, I mean that's probably the reason why he'll never achieve the heights he might if he would actually concentrate on 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 becoming a better better NBA player than what he is right now. But he's still like yeah. top three no matter what of course and i think for so many players and people and, and just fans i think top three is already so good so it's it's hard who uh i think he would have to be challenged almost by someone who he respects even more than 99 percent of the population to do those things so i feel i feel where you're coming from with that it's yeah, hard by the way justify. i love luca because he's a goofball and i hate his basketball style I hate that game that he's playing, but you do you, Luca. Come on. I think Luca has more to prove, right? I mean, he doesn't have any rings or any MVPs, so he he's he wants to take more swings. He wants to take more bites at the apple to to try to get a medal or rings somehow, so that he can break through. Because I think the media wants him, right? They're pushing him. Oh, this guy could be the next LeBron, but if we're being honest, like he's not on the same level as, as Jokic and Giannis right now. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of that is like the deep playoff runs and those deep playoff moments that really cement uh, the image of a player in people's minds, especially in the common, <laughs> in the untrained eye. I'll say that. Uh, so he's probably time, the most skilled basketball player in the world, but he is not playing on that level i mean mm -hmm. and I, I can only see Jokic as a more skilled basketball player but luca luca has all the tricks in the bag 
is just that. I think I put Curry up there too. That's a tough. Yeah, but it's okay. just that Curry just doesn't have the physical, you know, uh, impact the way Luca can have because oh, Luca, for sure. Well, he has to be more skilled then because he's smaller. Yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. Maybe the skill is not the right word. Maybe the impact, like a, oh, okay. a potential impact. Yeah, that's fine. I think there's something that comes from a player having both the size and the skill that that really impresses people because plenty of guys have done one or the other, you know, have had immense physical presences on the basketball court and have had elite skill sets, but maybe lack that that physical impact. But uh, I think Luca, I think kind of like LeBron almost where people are really yeah. impressed with him because he is like the size that he is, but also does the things that he does. Uh, and I think Jokic to some similar extent, like Luca, he's so big, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's a guard, but like, he's so, you know, physically imposing that, uh, it, it's hard to really even consider what do you do to slow him down? So, um, I, I imagine over time, he's just going to become more desperate, more hungry, more motivated to do whatever he needs to do to have that success. And I also think that puts a lot of pressure on, on the Dallas Mavericks, but that, that might be a podcast for another time. I think that uh, that the pinnacle of Houston Rockets are showing us the pinnacle of das Dallas basketball, if nothing changes. Like, it's, it's really hard to win championships playing, you know, one on five. Miroslav, do you think Luka wants to play that way? Like, if he got I think he a, does. a big man who was, you know, way better than any big man he's had, would he take a backseat and, and change his game? I mean, the, the problem with Luka is he's not really a he's not really a product of Serbian or Yugoslavian basketball. He is a product of Spanish basketball because he moved to Real Madrid at the age of sixteen or whatever. So right. he, he has a different mentality, and uh, I think he loves the spotlight. And I wouldn't be too surprised to hear that most of the moves the Dallas Mavericks did in in the last three or four years were you know strongly suggested by him or at least agreed with him before before moving them so yeah i don't know i yeah. mean it would really need to be a very specific kind of guy to play next to him not not career ring i don't think they could be very ball dominant like, i almost think the perfect guy for him might be like a rudy gobert like a guy who literally does not excel with the ball just so that the dynamic really works out naturally and how they would flow together. Um, maybe Carl Anthony Towns? Just because, look, I mean, Cat doesn't like being in the paint anyway. He loves just yeah. kind of hanging out and shooting threes and kind of uh, being that sort of... Uh, I don't know what he is. I don't know if he knows what he is, but that's, that's I guess, neither there. What do you mean? He knows um, he's the greatest shooting big man of all time. Yeah, he, he completely re revolutionized the, the, the game. So what's he going to do? <laughs> I guess no, nobody ever shot threes before he did as, as yeah. a seven-footer. That's, that's, that's true. Yeah, like, I still um, think Carl Towns okay, is the greatest get... NBA player who's never won a playoff series. <laughs> oh. That's I'd have to think about that. That's a that's probably there's a list to consider. Maybe I don't know. Um, but but uh, what do you guys think of what just the idea of to let's like tie back in? What do you guys think of the idea of uh, the way? Honestly, the uh, Saudis have thrown a lot of money around. Different sports leagues could impact uh, FIBA and maybe even the NBA by proxy and how they might be able to work something out? Do you think there's like any light at the end of that tunnel? Uh, Miroslav? <laughs> I had a pretty long discussion about this with, with Adam Maris when he was prepping his uh, his show on this, this subject. He wanted to talk about Saudis investing money in basketball and stuff like that. And he actually thinks that there's no way that, that uh, the NBA would buy the FIBA because they're it's not that interesting to them. And I countered, like, why wouldn't the Saudis buy the NBA and then buy FIBA? And that's probably just too much money. 
it's like you would need like a 300 million 300 billion dollars to to buy the whole of the nba but i don't know i don't know man i i'm not optimistic regarding the nba players but on the other side it's it's not that important really i mean there's only one nba player i care about playing in the international international uh, basketball and if i cannot get him then it's just it doesn't matter it's 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 fine i, I i'll cheer for the guys i can and i'll do it with uh, all of my heart and uh, hopefully i'll have some fun while doing that yeah i, I can respect that i hope i hope so too um the so the next thing i kind of wanted to talk about is that um i've been i've been feeling some type of way since the nuggets won a championship even at the parade even just when i talk to people around town other fans uh when i look at when i think about some of the ways that the players uh maybe aren't even you know talking about guys not wanting to play basketball over the summer it's i'm curious how can everybody in the community players fans coaches remain engaged in a sport where we finally reach the pinnacle of the thing we've always wanted a championship i uh, kind of want to start with maybe the fans like ourselves like you got you and me and you know, Kamir's love peter how do how do you you guys and peter i'll start with you when you look ahead at this nba season what makes you feel excited about it especially in the regular season you know things that aren't going to feel as impactful uh what continues to make you excited for the regular season in a time where we're coming off championships and are looking ahead to more championships potentially well i think it's always fun in sports and in life honestly we're always moving the goalposts right so as a nuggets fan our whole life we're waiting for one championship now we got one so i want another one i mean i think all nuggets fans do so you know the the spotlight's definitely gonna be different now right because i mean if you look at the odds going into last season the nuggets were like plus 1800 to to win the championship so i know a lot of us uh, made some good money there you know this year the odds are way worse than that somehow the celtics are still favored which is hilarious by the way but uh you know we'll see what happens there but no it's it's gonna be good it's gonna be a lot a lot more eyeballs on denver this season and rightly so i think they've earned a lot more respect yeah there's still going to be some skeptics but i think the cool part as a fan ray is you know maybe not as easy for for me and miroslav but you know you're in colorado there's a lot of bandwagon fans when teams win a championship but the cool thing about that is for a diehard fan is you get to explain and share the game more with the new fan right you get to explain like nuances but also just basic stuff that they might not know or understand um you know it's it's a lot easier in denver to walk in a bar and like have a conversation about the broncos usually because there's just so many more broncos fans but now i think there's going to be more natural just nuggets conversations like everybody at least knows who Jokic is in town so that's going to be cool just like the nuggets are becoming more mainstream i feel that i, I even i think i've already kind of engaged in that to some extent i think i've uh I've been a fan for 2023. I've been a fan for about 14 years. And so I I am starting to get into that point where like, let me let me tell you about the 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 57 win uh, <laughs> Starless Gallinari Nalet Nuggets and like these other situations and other versions of the team in the past or like Ryan Shaw era and how interesting that was. But um yeah, interesting with quotation marks. But um that that's definitely something i'm enjoying like as a as a fan and i continue to look for that that we are building history that that over time that history is something that it's not something i'm referencing from a documentary so much or a history book or records it's like i was there you know i was there when russell west not there but i was watching when russell westbrook broke the triple double record and dunked on the nuggets and we all clapped for some reason in that moment in that moment we, i decided to move to denver like that was that was like a big moment for me because i was like miroslav i was deeply offended by that i don't know i don't know if 
people in Serbia clap for the other team when he scores on them or does amazing things, but I don't. Um, maybe that's just the East Coast person in me, but I, anyway, what, what I think about is that there's, you know, I feel some of what you're saying in terms of the Nuggets still being kind of disrespected a little bit. You know, they're ready to disrespect the Nuggets. I think they're eager for it. And I say they as in media or whoever. I also think the Nuggets could just be better. Like, that's the thing I think about. Not to say that they aren't good enough, but as good as they were, I also think there is a lot of um, meat on that bone, so to speak, as in terms of just how high they really could reach, uh, how good they really could be, what their future really could look like. And and, and we could get into like some certain things in a little bit later. But um, yeah, I just think that I'm excited for like, I still think they haven't reached their ceiling. You know, this isn't even their final form. That That's that's how I feel. Um, but Miroslav, how, how about you? Especially like as a Serbian fan watching the Nuggets and, and maybe not, um, just having a different perspective, like how do you feel about the Nuggets having won a championship and does that change how you feel about them like looking ahead? Well, yeah, of course, I I, I expect, I mean, honestly, for the last, I mean, since the bubble, no, that's not true. Since the 18-19 season, I'm expecting the championship. I mean, I have a crazy idea that, you know, if that four overtime game against Portland ended up in a win for the Nuggets, then they would give a good one game. The... Yeah, it's, it's just, uh, I, I sometimes, you know, <laughs> wake up in sweat. We lost that game like three game. different times. Yeah, yeah. And the, the last mm -hmm. time, I think it was like uh, ball, the turnover by, by Jamal, that the, the ball just glazed the tips of his fingers and went uh, out of bounds and Portland got the ball and they get another overtime or whatever it was. Then we already had the game packed. But I digress. What I want to say is I, I was expecting this for, for many years now. And of course, we had those two seasons of purgatory that delayed everything up to this season. But next season, I think that I don't, I don't expect the season to be similar to this one. I think it's going to go either one way and that's like a 60 win team what what you mentioned ray they might just be better this season and just uh, run a lot of uh, teams out of the gym or they might be like a 49 win team and and end up like a five seed because they don't care and i'm already preparing for this scenario because i don't want to be frustrated I mean, I would prefer to be smug because the Nuggets are winning and not being smug for for believing that that's not really them. We, you'll see in a couple of months when the playoff starts. But I have a... This is my updated take about Jamal here. So I don't expect Jamal to have such a great jump this season in the regular season like everybody seems to have. Like, I, I think he's just going to remain regular season Jamal. And furthermore, I'm going to say that's fine. Because, and this is the, 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 the tough part, he's a role player in, in the regular season. He is inconsistent, but so is Aaron Gordon. You know, so is Michael Porter. Those guys are not superstars. It's really fine. That Jamal has 11 points tonight and 40 points two nights after that. It's fine. It's okay. He he's super consistent season to season, you know, per 36 minutes, depending on how many minutes he plays. He's actually that guy, and that's completely fine because he he you know transforms into something completely different in the playoffs. Now. Before this, the series, the series against Miami started, I had Dan Favalli on my show, and I I was hyped, and I asked him, so is is Jamal now a top ten player in the league? And he left it out because of course he's not. I mean, 
you, do you know how many guys he needs to jump over to become a top 10 guy? And I know it's a dumb argument, like show me in the regular season. But but the thing is, we see the top level of Jamal in the playoffs because he is concentrating on that two-man game with Nikola Jokic, which is the best and most unguardable uh, you know, action in, in the, all of basketball. But would he be as impactful in the NBA if his partner was Rudy Gobert or if his partner was Joel Embiid? You know, so Jamal is a star on the, on the brink of a superstar in the playoffs, but it's completely fine if he remains a role player in the regular season. And this is, this is the way I'm trying to prepare myself not to be disappointed in a 49-win season, for instance. That is very fair, and I think healthy and reasonable. I am a glutton for punishment, and I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to be an all-star, but I do think this is the most important season of Jamal Murray's career in a lot of ways, in the sense that it's going to dictate how he's perceived in, in, a, in a lot of these conversations where we're talking about, is he a top 10 player? Is he a top 50 player? Is he a top 75 player? Is he top, you know, is he in that mix? I, I don't know where exactly he might land in that specific ranking, but I think he sees a lot of criticism, both where it exists and sometimes where it doesn't exist, but he's, he's going to find it. And if there's one thing I have always come to count on, especially when we talk about like major national media figures, uh, people on the internet, people on websites like Twitter, on Reddit, etc. They're going to find ways to criticize guys. And uh, there's always been a... I think Jamal is a very highly motivated guy. I think he wants to be great. And in a universe where he exists, ne exists next to Nikola Jokic, he's always going to get that comparison. So I feel like he's very motivated, especially coming away from the injury, another year removed from the injury. Um, he's very motivated to prove that, hey, I'm that guy. And maybe I'm not Jokic level of that guy, but I deserve to be in these conversations with the Devin Bookers and the uh, Donovan Mitchells and the Damian Lillards and all those you know, players. And, and also, they're going to come for him because the Nuggets are champions. And I don't think anybody is really looking to question or challenge Jokic's status in that kind of sense. I think people are going to be looking at Jamal Murray specifically as a guy who talks more, who is a little bit more vocal, who continues to be. And, and I think guys are going to go at him as well, that they're going to be a spotlight on the Nuggets. And if he's not playing well, if he is just being regular, Jamal Murray that we've seen. It's not to say that that's bad, because I think you're right. They don't necessarily need him to make a huge leap or anything for them to be successful. But I, I do think he's going to get a lot of criticism if he doesn't make the leap that people would imply from the playoffs, because people do give him that bump from the playoffs themselves and say that he's, uh, well, he should be this. He should be that. He should be doing this. Um, there is a healthy way to go about it. There's an unhealthy way to go about it. That he could be Bradley Beal. I think that's kind of the unhealthy way, you know, where he tries his, yeah, I, I, he averages 20, 22 points a game, something like that. If he's going to try to average 26 points a game, I don't know if it's going to fit the vibe of the team. Um, and I think that could be rough sometimes. But I think there's an optimistic version of me that sees him not even scoring a whole lot more, but just being a better passer, having better control of the game, being a better defender. You know, you have all this time to work on your body now that you are not rehabbing all the time. 
can you be a better defender consistently? Can you rebound a little bit better consistently? Can that lead to you playing even just a higher pace? I think is going to lead to some improved production for him just because they're playing faster. Uh, and maybe with that, if Jamal's a better floor general, a better thinker of the game, I think that also helps Michael Porter a lot. I actually don't think, you know, a lot of people have talked about can Michael Porter be the guy, you know, who has the year or can Jamal? I think it's not really one or the other. Um, I think they grow together, that the team ultimately grows together. And if if Jamal Murray has that leap in him uh, of taking a leap, being a top tier guard, I think Michael Porter is going to be the best beneficiary of that more than anyone else because he needs that. He can be a better player. He can find better opportunities. He can be more efficient, but ultimately he's dependent upon Jamal Murray and for the time being, Randy Jackson to set him up for success. So I'm really excited for that. That's kind of my thing. That's the thing I'm thinking about this year. That's what keeps me like engaged, I guess, in this season is like with all these expectations. And I know Jamal wants to be better and be more, you know, I, that's that's where I am as far as uh, excitement. Am I so I guess, Peter, am I crazy? <laughs> Am I reading too much into it, or, or do you think he's just going to be? Um, I guess, what do you expect from him this year? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is boring, but I, I really just don't feel like Jamal or MPJ are going to be all that different because I just kind of feel like the Nuggets have the formula now. You know, they've been listening to Malone for all these years now, and they were healthy last year. And it was good enough to gel and come through, you know, and obviously the, the KCP trade was huge. But when I look at the Nuggets starting lineup, you know, to me, the way I view, you got Jokic, MPJ, and Murray as skill guys, and then Gordon and KCP are basically energy guys, right? I mean, KCP is skill too, he can hit threes. But those guys are basically your defenders, and they kind of fill in the gaps. And I get what Miroslav's saying, how the team could go like either way, but I really just don't see... Nuggets, if we are assuming the same health as last year, winning anything less than like 52 games. I mean, I feel like Jokic is the only guy on the team that could come in and is like, he's good. You know, he doesn't have more to prove, really, in my opinion. You know, Jamal wants to be an all-star. MPJ wants to make his mark on the league still. And that's a good problem to have, I think. If, if Jokic comes in and is like, I want to shoot less, if you're giving five more shots to Michael Porter per game, that's a good problem to have. You know, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying he's as good of players Nikola Jokic but if those shots are going to a, a plus 40 percent three-point shooter you know that's okay whereas some other teams it's like if Jimmy Butler comes comes to the arena on a Tuesday night against Charlotte and is like ah, I don't really want to play hard tonight that's five more shots for Duncan Robinson you know what I mean so it's not a surprise that the Heat were not a great regular season team because they just weren't that deep you know the Nuggets have more guys that can do it and so the bigger questions are, are more like, you know, with the bench, obviously, as usual. But those guys are all going to be hungry, right? You know, CB and, and Watson are going to want to come in and prove themselves. So, and I, and I think the part that you really can't underestimate here is Malone. That guy's the most hungry guy in the organization. He is not going to let them let off the gas. And the thing I've noticed about the Nuggets the past few years also is even if they have stretches where – it looks like they're just kind of coasting, you know, and I, it, that happens in the NBA season. There's there's highs and lows. Jokic and Murray are so good that I've noticed that when the team, like, loses a game that they care about, they come back even harder the next game, right? It's very rare that they have, like, a three-game losing streak. You know, they're going to have some stretches where they go, like, five and five and ten games, but I'd be very surprised if they have a stretch where they go, like, three and seven or two and eight. You know, they just – the chemistry and the continuity is too good. And because of that, I think that they'll be able to to at least repeat last season in terms of the regular season. <clears throat> I think Jamal is the biggest variable here because the shortest way for him to, to step up from the super role player that he is, I believe now, in the regular season into the stardom is for him to win the stagger minutes. And mark this, this is minute 39 this is the first time we mentioned stagger so 
if they find a way to win the stagger minutes without Jokic on the court, they're a 60-win team. They might be a 65-win team, to be honest. But if they don't, there's a possibility they will have a worse bench than last season. And not because of Jamal. I mean, Jamal wasn't very successful last season in those stagger lineups. But there's no, there's no uh, Jeff Green anymore. And I know people were harping on Jeff Green not being a good player for the Nuggets. He was a veteran. He knew what he was doing. He didn't push his himself to the limit every night, of course. But he knew what he was doing. And now we might see the the lineup of. Jamal and Reggie, and then Christian Brown and Peyton Watson and Zeke Naji, for instance. I'm not sure what to expect from that unit. I mean, you can switch in Hunter Tyson, you know, instead of Christian Brown to, to make the, the lineup bigger, or instead of Reggie to make it bigger. But I don't know what to expect from that lineup. If they figure out a way to be a neutral or a, or a slight positive in those minutes, they're going to win 65 games because the starters are that good. But there's still a possibility that we have no big bodies on the on the bench out of DeAndre Jordan. He's the only true center on the bench. And I don't think we need a true center. But, you know, he's not there to play more than 20, 25 games this season at like nine minutes per game. So, you know, if, God forbid, Zeke Nagy gets injured, I don't know who's playing outside of Jordan. So that's 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 the reason I still have the concern. And God forbid if you lose a, one of the starters for 20 games, that's that's also enough to mess up the concept completely. Unless unless Christian Brown really fills fills up that uh, that six starter role that I think he might actually not in the same way like Bruce Brown did because he's not it's not as good on ball, but he has some other tools that might make him, you know, a surefire 28, 30 minutes per game guy. Yeah, I, I share a lot of your concerns in that way. Uh, a big part of that, though, I have a theory, I guess. You know, we're talking about a little bit earlier about how we keep, uh, as fans, how we stay engaged in the regular season in particular. Uh, in a context where we, you know, we've won a championship. It's kind of, I think a lot of people are over the regular season. I think for the bench to be good, I think it's going to demand from Malone a little bit of creativity in how he's going to approach things. Because I think if we, if we take it for granted, not we, I mean, we're not, part of the Nuggets, none of us here are, if the Nuggets take it for granted that everything that they did last year is good enough to win again, I think a lot of the issues that we're talking about with the lack of depth as a big man, I think that could really hurt Denver. I would really, I think it would prove very fruitful for the team if Malone were willing to look in a bit of a different direction in terms of how he operates the bench and who he's willing to play or not play. And the uh, I, I think about one thing in particular, it's mainly Reggie Jackson. And it's um, it's not to say that Reggie is a bad player because I, I don't think it's about his quality of play. I actually, you know, I think he's really, he can be really good sometimes. You know, he's big government for the reason for a reason. You know, he has he can get hot and put up 10, 15, 20 points in a game that might be really important for you down the stretch. And maybe even in the playoffs, that's a role he could potentially, maybe, possibly, <laughs> uh, that he could play. But at the same time, I really think the path to the bench being a positive is is playing better as a unit. And playing together and i think that requires a point guard who is just going to approach the game in a way that's a little bit healthier and i think that guy is not reggie jackson might not even be jamal murray i think it's i think it's jalen pickett 
Um, and I know it's hard to imagine because he's not very experienced, but I think he's I more what I said about listen, he's more experienced than, than Peyton Watson. This is correct. And I also go back to what I said about Reggie. It's not about his quality of play. It's about the style that he plays with. And he's a guy who is willing to not focus so much on himself and on getting himself going, but on elevating the guys around him and focusing on their well-being, so to speak, so that whoever it is, if it's Christian Brown, if it's Peyton Watson, if it's Hunter Tyson, if it's Michael Porter Jr., if it's Zeke Nazi, or if they make a move somewhere, you know, um, I also would interject that you have uh, decent amounts of money tied up in Randy Jackson and Zeke Nagy, that guys who are kind of on the edge of your rotation, so to speak. And if you wanted to make a move for a guy making eight, nine, ten million dollars, I think that's very possible if you wanted to involve them in it. Um, so we might see that. I think that's possible. But for the guys who are here right now, I think Pickett is going to do a much better job and it's really my only hope, honestly, of having a bench unit that's a unit and not just a collection of guys, if that makes sense. And I think that's just like, it's going to be a different approach from Malone. It kind of goes back maybe even to how he used to play things with um, with Monte Morris and Mason Plumley when they were more of, uh, you know, five guys in, five guys out. But that was, I think, the Nuggets' best bench under Michael Malone. So I think it's... Um, there are some ways where I think they can run it back, but there are some ways where I hope for some creativity. And I think that's also a way that Michael Malone can kind of keep the guys engaged. He's going to be trying different things and doing different things and just kind of keeping it interesting. Um, so, Peter, I guess I'll throw it to you. Is there anything looking at, you know, I'm sure you're also not totally jazzed about the prospects of the bench. Um is there anything Malone can do to kind of keep things afloat in that context or even how they integrate the bench on the starters in your mind? Well, I think the smart thing he did last year was he basically told the bench, like your identity is going to be scrap as you scrap as hard as you can on defense and then get out and run. Right. They were pretty solid in transition. And I think that's the best place where Peyton Watson can make an impact. He's, I think he's a pretty good transition basketball player. He's not a very good half-court player yet. Um, and probably won't be this season, to be honest. So, you know, whoever's playing point, if it is Reggie, hopefully he will get the ball and push because I know that Peyton and Christian and Zeke are going to fill the wing and fill the lane. So I think he's got to just, you know, Try to play to their strengths, right? There's not a ton of scoring on that unit, not a ton of size either, but I think I think they've got youth and switchability. So I think that, especially when you're at altitude, you want to play fast, right? That was like, I know that's one of your favorite teams, Ray's the, the 2013 George Carl Nuggets. You know, they ran teams out of the gym at home. So... Hopefully the starters can come build the lead and then that unit can come in and just play their ass off and, you know, at least and try to win minutes that way. That's no, I hope that would be nice. Right. Wouldn't it be nice? Because the starters could just like dominate and then the bench could come in and just, just run, you know, they, they leave the third quarter, they're up 15, 20 points and they just kind of, we, we chill. Of course, you know, the starters, if they come back on the court, the game is over. You're not that worried about it. But I guess that's just what I'm thinking about right now. Maybe I'm too optimistic. Maybe I'm just kind of getting ahead of myself. But uh, I, I think we're in for either a really fun season, maybe the most fun season the Nuggets have ever had, or a bit of a grind. And I'm kind of hoping for the former. Um, now, that being said, Miroslav, do you think, do you have any other maybe things you'd like to see? From this season, you know, you're thinking you're looking ahead to it. Um, just decisions the Nuggets could make, should make um, ways players could approach the game that would be ideal for the team on an individual level. Well, well they already did the, the thing where they're forcing Malone's hand to play the young guys 
I mean, us as fans, we love to see the young guys getting opportunity. But I'm afraid that this season I'm going to be asking for for some reinforcements uh, with some veterans, you know, and probably before the, the the trade deadline, like in January or something like that. Because I mean, if the the, the bench unit doesn't work, the biggest the biggest uh, fear of mine is still if we lose one of the starters for a significant piece of the season. Like imagine when Paul Millsap came came to the Nuggets for the first time and he missed like 50 games in his first season on the Nuggets. Now yeah. that would be that would be awful because you're so top heavy and you if you don't have one of your guys for the whole season, you're in a bit of a, a mess there. So I yeah the, the only thing I, I really wish for is is general health of the team. We already lost Vlatko. It's not a small blow. So let's hope we will get more luck uh, going forward. And I don't know. I mean, I, I really like the idea of Pickett because he knows ball and he might be the... I, I might be completely wrong here, but I think he he's wrong for the, for the bench unit that wants to run. I mean, he's not the fastest guy out there. Having said that, he might have great, you know... Uh, uh, outlet uh, passes, you know, and and jumping over the defenses, so that might work as well. But um, I'm I, I don't know. I, I just I I'm scared as hell of having to rely on a guy who was a rookie redshirt guy last season, and now I want him to be the seventh guy on the roster. That scares the shit out of me. That's that's like that's too much. And I might be wrong. I mean, Peyton Watson might be awesome, but I, I haven't seen anything to 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 uh, prove it to okay. me that that's the case. Hmm. Is there? Uh, I mean, you talked a little bit about like veteran potential veteran reinforcements, and maybe even earlier than uh, the trade deadline. I also feel like that could be on the table. Um, is there anybody you think about maybe around the league that you think would be really helpful on this Denver Nuggets team that you think might be might be available, might be attainable? I know it's a really early for, for such a thing. Yeah, I, I would have to check the contracts, not to not to say something really silly here. But you, you already you already mentioned uh, on your tweet, who, who was it? Remind oh, I'm me. a Kelly Olenek guy. Yeah, yeah the you're, you're... I mean Kelly Olynyk is just a, a dream guy. I'm not sure that's the perfect solution. We might need somebody more athletic than than Kelly Olynyk, but Kelly is a really really good player, and uh, uh, in the regular season he would be awesome for the Nuggets. I don't know about the playoffs, to be completely honest, but I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see some veteran that's a bit more beefy, like. Like a six eight six nine guy that can actually play four and five in a pinch, just to have some uh, some extra security over there. Because I think I think the guards are. I mean I don't know what Julian Strotter is. I mean if if Julian Strotter was a safe prospect, then I would say we are completely fine on the guard guard spots. We kind of have like four point guards right now, and we don't know which which of them are going to play. I mean, we we still have we still have uh, Colin Gillespie as a, as a fourth point guard there, and yeah. we only we only have Strotter and and Christian Brown to play the two slash three, and the other guys. Are, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's a strange roster. It's it's strangely young roster for a championship team. And uh, I mean, Calvin Booth might be just a genius, and and we just laugh at this show five months from now. So we'll see. I mean, Peter, how about you? Do you have any thoughts about? I just like back end holes in the roster. You know, guys, you think um, might be potential fits for what Denver needs. Or, or even just like adjustments that Michael Malone might make in using the guys that they have? 
I mean, to be honest, I don't have any specific names for you, but it's always interesting to watch the first few months of the season play out because there always ends up being a team or two who does way worse than they internally expected. Um, I mean, two teams I'm already thinking about that just things aren't great right now is Chicago Bulls and Toronto Raptors. I could see either of those teams having a fire sale. And so it's kind of one of those situations where, yeah, the, the Nuggets probably wouldn't be in on the top guys. Like they wouldn't, it makes no sense for them to trade for like Zach Levine or, or Pascal Siakam, you know, unless you're also moving a big piece. But generally when, when a GM goes into rebuild, you know, they still end up trading the other veterans that are role players. So maybe there's an opportunity there, you know, and that's kind of stuff that like we can look at rosters, but Calvin Booth is way more in the know on like what teams would be looking to do or, or who, you know, they've already got their like board of who could be available, even if they're not available right now. And I think that's why sometimes fans in the summer, we get upset about lack of moves maybe, but it's more like, well, we could have done this, which might be a little better than what we did, but it's not as good as what we can do later. So, sorry, I don't have a name for you, but I just, I, I do think that there, mm-hmm. if it doesn't go well, there will be a move made. Because, yeah, if you're I'm going for the sure championship, like, you're going to make a move to improve. I'm pretty sure I'm one of the few Nuggets fans who are like, I want this guy <laughs> in uh, August. So, that that's fine. Totally cool. We'll have more shows to talk trades and uh, potential mid-season moves and things like that. Um, I am interested to see what happens. I mean, I, I there's a lot of different ways I think you could arrange the guys that they have because you have so many different guards and forwards and combo guards and guys who aren't really centers. <laughs> Uh, or even starters, he might mix into that conversation as well. I mean, I think about, for example, what if they uh, looked to play Michael Porter more at that, like backup four, maybe, uh, I don't want to say, if Michael Porter and Zeke Najee are on the floor together, who's the five, who's the four? I'd rather have Zeke playing defense on as a five, but I'd probably rather have Michael Porter setting screens, for example, and, and maybe popping. And having being a little bit more engaged and uh, in, in, in ball handling and things like that than than what Zeke does. Zeke, Zeke, I hope he just kind of works on his shot. I, I feel like <laughs> he just did it. I don't know what I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened, but whatever he whatever happened to his shot, I just hope he gets it back. I think that would be really nice. I don't really need him to do a whole lot else right now at this stage in his career just shoot the ball decently that would be fine offensively um but yeah that that's i guess an aside um i think we can wrap up here unless you guys have any any parting shots you want to share with community peter uh just wanted to ask miroslav a little bit more about fiba you mentioned that uh you think usa could medal who do you view as the favorites for this tournament well, there are like uh, ten teams that might medal. Okay. Like on on the Serbian side side of the of. Oh, the, so it's wide open. I think it is. I think it is. I mean, maybe not wide open, but there is a world where I can see ten different teams on the three, you know, top top spots. Cool. Like on one side of the of the. Uh, Bracket. Of the bracket, yeah. You have Serbia and you have Italy and you have Greece and you have Lithuania. And uh, who else? There's one more team there. And on the other side, you have US and Slovenia. Oh, no, sorry. And US is on the Serbian uh, part of the bracket as well. And on the other side, you have Spain and you have Slovenia and France and Germany and was this 15 i had it written somewhere so there's really 10 really good teams and i don't think anybody else out of those 10 team teams can medal it's a strange tournament because it's one one game elimination and serbia already knows that if they get to the quarterfinals they're going to play either either us or uh, 
Ooh, who was there? Uh, might be Greece. Yeah, Greece or US or somebody like that. So it's difficult. They they cannot, for instance, see Spain or Slovenia until the semifinals. So that will determine who, who will actually have the chance. If you have a bad break, you can just get a really good team in the quarterfinals and then you have no chance of meddling. So mm -hmm. we'll see. We'll see. There's usually at least one team in the semifinals nobody expected to see there. And it's one of those teams that I considered to be eighth, ninth, or, or tenth favorite for the tournament. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Gre Greece, for instance, sucks. Greece do have Aretokumpo, yeah. but the wrong one. They have Thanasis. <laughs> so, ah, Thanasis. Yeah. 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 They, are, they also have a, uh, the, the Nuggets legend. Uh, uh, Giannis Papanikolaou? Papanikolaou, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's not a really good team. We beat them like by 20 points in, in Athens, and our game sucked at that point. <laughs> so I don't know. And to uh, I do have one more follow up, Miroslav. Um, the tournament this year, I believe, is in the Philippines and in Japan. And in Indonesia as well. And Indonesia. So that's pretty far for most of the teams, you know, Europe and uh, America. How do you think the crowds are going to be? I know the Philippines are really into basketball. Are you expecting, uh, you know, really good atmosphere for these games? Yeah, I think Philippines are also the host of the of the like a final eight at okay. the end, and that will be madness. It will be awesome because Philippines right. are like crazy crazy about basketball. That's going to be awesome. Uh, Japan too. I think it's pretty good. I have no idea about Indonesia to be completely honest. I I don't know what to expect there, okay. but you know. Even even when you have those countries that are not uh, not huge in basketball world, when you get the eye candy like like Luca mm -hmm. playing or or I guess Rudy Gobert, I mean <laughs> you 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 will get first full, time he's full. ever been called eye candy. <laughs> I yeah. think NBA players are popular with women, yeah. just in general. I think so. Yeah, maybe maybe not I, as much I, I as mean, Will I mean, Chamberlain, but I think he meant like of course his basketball skills, Ray. Ah, okay, gotcha. <laughs> that's that's what you meant. Okay, I got off track. All right. Um, yeah, <laughs> I didn't finish good. with Luca to you know to have a different. Mm. Name, so. This is why I needed <laughs> yes. to put in Gobert as well. <laughs> um, I was gonna ask: Is there a team that you feel like has gained the most? from the chaos with all the people who've dropped out? Like, who benefits the most from all that? I think France. I think France because they still have a really, really strong squad. Because they have a really huge, huge player base they can count on. So even when if they don't have... I don't think they have, like... A, um, um, oh, Jesus. Well, Batum's playing, I think. He's playing? Oh, is he? I, I, I kind of thought he didn't. I think oh, I think he said he was going to play one more year and then Olympics and then retire. So I don't know if he's actually playing in World Cup. Yeah, something like that. I I, I thought he's not playing. I might okay. be wrong. But they still have plenty, plenty good players. Spain, for instance, doesn't have a point guard on this tournament because Ricky Rubio is not playing because of the... Uh, you know, uh, he he wants to attend his his uh, mental health, and also Lorenzo Brown, uh, American guy, with some Spanish roots, he's not playing as well. So they are in a big bit of a pickle. But if if anybody can can uh, make the most out of the flawed roster is the Spaniards. So I wouldn't I wouldn't I would never leave them out of the you know the circle of of best teams. So we'll see. I mean, yeah. Serbia is super interesting, guys. You, you need to trust me. It, they play really nice basketball. I just don't know how how well they're going to play against is, the best. Did Topic make the national team? No. Okay. And that was a mistake. That was a mistake. because Really? Wow. Yeah, because Vlade Divac was with the national team at the age of 18. Peja Danilovic was uh, at the team at 19. Sasha He's Zerzic a really fun player. 19. Yeah, Topic is... 
Topic is awesome, and he should have been the 12th guy. I mean, mm. I don't want to say who who he should have replaced because I don't want to be unfair to a guy who is actually traveling. But they they could have spared one one spot for him. He he wouldn't even have to play a lot. Just give him an opportunity to to yeah, grow experience. next to the the older peers. And yeah, that's well. I'm looking forward to watching uh, Nikola Jovic. I mean. Every time I watch him play, whether it was summer league or his NBA stints, or you know, he's he's a fun player. He is not scoring a lot, but he is attacking the rim, and I like that. He he rebounds like a maniac, and he blocks shots left and right, and steals the balls. He's he's really filling up the the whole box score. He's really fun to watch, and I always have to pinch myself and and tell myself he just turned 20. I don't know if he turned 20. He'll turn mm-hmm. 20 during the summer, I think. Maybe he already did. Not sure. He was drafted at 18. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is... I'm struggling to find it, but yeah, he is very young. I'm kind of more interested than, in him than I yeah, am. He, in, he like, actually turned 20 hero. like, like two months ago. Strange. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't get Tyler Hero. Like, I really don't. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm, yeah, no, I'm not sorry. I, I just feel like what Tyler Hero does is very common. I mean, we talked. We talked about it with Jamal. Like, like the idea of just being like a guy who can score. It's just so replaceable in the NBA. I think I'd much rather have a guy who can like has a well-roundedness. I think it's easier to learn to shoot than it is to learn to do literally everything else. But that's just me. Um, this has been fun. Miroslav, I really appreciate you coming on and staying up late with us. I know it's it's late there. Uh, almost almost midnight, so definitely appreciate you. Um, this has been Four Corners. You can find us online at Four Corner Pod. Me at Raybon Hackshaw, Peter at Bucketsons88, Miroslav at Miroslav Chuk. And yeah, we appreciate you listening if you've made it this far and we will see you uh, next time later in the summer. And uh, yeah, catch you later.